What is up? Hopefully you're off to a good start this week. I'm Brent McGrath, your host, and this is Modern Day Marketer. I am fired up to be back in the saddle doing these Monday conversations with my teammates. I got Jonathan back on the podcast. We are building some momentum up into our big launch on July 28th with Intent Signals. We are going to be talking today about why it just can't be quantitative metrics in our content program and why we need to dig further and why we need to look for qualitative outputs and why those outputs mean something significant to sales and their pipeline. I love this conversation, getting to talk about these topics that I think go unnoticed sometimes, but are really, really important. If you like what we're doing over here, subscribe, follow all the things. Most importantly, tell a friend you're enjoying Modern Day Marketer. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. I feel like this one is a return to form. It has been a while since the two of us have sat here and had a conversation about marketing. I'm joined by Jonathan. We're recording this early on a Friday after a busy week, a week that I returned from vacation, which is always tough. We both have fresh cups of coffee and we've got a lot to talk about. But before we get into the topic, Jonathan, you've been on the, you've been running through the ringer. I know. How's it going? It's going well. It's uh, it's fast and furious in all the right ways. I think uh, I wouldn't know otherwise. This feels like, uh, you know, Jerry Seinfeld has comedians in cars getting coffee. This is marketers in the morning getting coffee. So excited to chat today. We've got some cool things on the horizon that you've been previewing, and uh, it's an exciting time in the business. So glad to be back in the saddle. Glad you're back in the saddle, and let's roll. So we're going to talk about why quantitative outputs that we're so used to getting from our content these days just isn't enough. That's going to be like the headline. We're going to dig into it. Before we do that, I don't think I've formally had a chance. I've been very outspoken in other content channels that we have of letting the audience know. So if you're not reading The Blend, which is our weekly newsletter, you should be doing that. Subscribe. Or if you're not visiting the Slice, which is our articles that we're publishing, um, you should do that as well. A couple plugs. I'm a marketer. I got to do it. But we're, I've been talking about this week, the fact that, or this past week, the fact that we are launching a new product on July 28th. It is Intent Signals. I'm, we're not going to spend this podcast kind of feature selling you on Intent Signals. What we're going to try to do is talk through some applications of why we think what we're building matters to content marketers and marketers in general right now. So we're going to get into that from a topics perspective, but I don't know. I felt like we hit the ground running. We were like, let's do this. Let's launch this. And I said, okay, like let's make this happen. And it's been a lot of um, just sharing, really like being extremely transparent and saying, this is what we're doing. This is when we're doing it. And this is why we think matters. So we've had a few of these launches and I, to me, there's, it's exciting, right? I feel like I actually was on a walk and I'm going to stop rambling, but I was on a walk yesterday and I was thinking to myself, okay, preparing for this launch, coordinating, quarterbacking, all this work that I'm doing. And I thought to myself, we didn't make this decision to launch intent signals on July 28th. Like, what would I be doing? Like, where would I be spending my time? And I think the punchline is, is there's always stuff to be doing when you're working at a uh, growing um, startup that is trying to kind of grow fast. But anyways, I say all that to say launch, we're having one. 
I think these are always exciting moments for our business and also the market and the audience that we serve. What are your thoughts going into this Intent Signals launch, Jonathan? Um, it, it's our vision coming to life from when we originally started the business, you know, almost a year and a half ago at this point. We wanted to, first, we needed to aggregate the content, organize the content, share that content with our audience. But the vision has always been to support marketers. And that's what we're doing with this is we're making their job more efficient. I hesitate to say easier. Marketers still have a lot on their plate, but our data should support almost everything they're doing across the rest of their marketing stack and make their other initiatives, other projects more efficient, provide them with better data, push it to where they're already interacting with data. Uh, So this is really our vision coming to life. And I'm really excited about it. I've, I've started some customer conversations around this. And that's always the uh, this is this is the vision that we've been talking about for so long and, and we're breathing life into it now and we're just we're just getting started. So it, it's really exciting for me uh, as a former marketer. This is the type of data I would just crave. Like I am almost literally like salivating at this because it is it is exactly what marketers want. It's high quality data in the places where you're already looking for data and using data. And I, I just think it's a great opportunity for marketers to up-level what they're doing and without having adverse effects on their audience. So really awesome stuff, really excited to launch it. And uh, the team is certainly rallying around it. Yeah, And I just, I want to be like, I think it's important to be explicit here that the fact that we think it's really cool and we use it and we think it matters, like products spend a lot of time building it. We've been giving feedback, talking to people. And that only kind of takes you so far. It's like, Now it's our job to be able to communicate that to our audience and get our audience curious for what intent signals can do for them. And I think that's the point of what we're doing right here. Like what we are taking to uh, an audio format to talk about some of the problems and talk about where we see some of the applications. And we, we, we are early, right? We're trying to do content and we're trying to educate. So I think this is an exciting experience. We get to talk about something that I'm passionate about and there's a product that maps to it, which is pretty cool. Um, but maybe we can start by, uh, so when I think about intent signals and we're going to get into the topic, I think about just like the outputs that this product is going to produce that is unlike anything I've ever had as a content marketer. I think about that. And I also think about, just from the highest level possible, I think about the opportunity that this qualitative data can have or can have on the positive, a positive relationship between sales and marketing. So I know we're going to talk about the data and the outputs, but like, as like the two things that I'm thinking about as a marketer that excites me, what's your response to that? Um, Are you seeing those things? Is there anything additionally you want to add? So we're going to get into this, I believe, but um, (laughs) Uh, you've talked about the qualitative data that the intent signals will provide marketers. And you and I had a conversation on this a little bit earlier this week um, around, is it quantitative data or is it qualitative data? I, I think what's exciting is it's a, it's a balance of both. I was on uh, a local, mar- uh, I was speaking at a local marketing meetup earlier this week and I was on a, a panel with three other marketers. And one of the questions was like, oh, why did you get into marketing? How do you feel about content marketing? And the three panelists went before me. I was kind of last in line and like, well, I loved writing. I was an English major. Uh, I really loved using words to inspire. And they handed me the microphone and I was like, because I love spreadsheets. Like I like that. That's my marketing background, right? Is I, I cut my teeth in marketing as a data analyst. That's always made me a little bit unique and weird. And 
different, uh, even more different than my own personality makes me. But so I, I sometimes to a fault, uh, as you know, working with me now, I like to measure everything, right? So I, I think that's, I don't know, I, I just, that's instinctual to me and my own marketing efforts at this point. So that's what I think is really cool is that like you're looking at this data as a marketer and you're seeing really qualitative data. I'm looking at this being like, great, this is really quantitative data. And really it's both. And I think that's what you're saying about this is a unique opportunity for markers to get quantities of quality data. Um, and then we push it to where they work with it in their CRM. And um, that's a playground for marketers, right? Whether you want to use it more qualitatively and infuse your brand efforts, or you want to use it more quantitatively and inform your advertising efforts, um, you can use it. And as you mentioned, we're using it. We signed our last customer because they came through our intent signals. And uh, it was just a very efficient process. And um, we knew what they were interested in. Uh, we knew how to speak to them. And uh, we're, we're using it ourselves. So that's that's the ringing endorsement, right? We're not building something just to sell. We're building something that's valuable to ourselves and sharing it with the world. So I think back to my days as an operator in a content factory, and we talk about content factories a lot here because we're trying to encourage our audience to understand that there's a better way to approach content where maybe not a bunch of keywords in blog posts that you're publishing every morning at 7 a.m. because Google likes it is the way, like The way is to think more about quality, think more about distribution, think more about uh, being authentic in the copy, long form copy that you're creating. But I think back on the days of like when I'm pumping out content and I just think about the measurement and I think about, you know, we're looking at views on blog posts, we're looking at time on page visits. And I think about this and, you know, you report on these things and, you know, you'd like to see them go up over time, but then at the end of the day, like I, I just, you know, you get some information from that data on, okay, no one's reading it when we talk about this sort of thing. But I think the thing that like, I didn't think about it at the time. Now that I'm thinking about today is like, like, did any of that data really matter? Because it didn't really necessarily tell, it could have been any, it could have been my, my parents reading my blog posts, but we just chalk it up as, you know, someone visiting and that was a success. So I'm so focused on this quality versus quantity mindset when it comes to looking at who's consuming our content. I question if like, what would, what would have been possible back then if I would have known that a specific individual or account was reading my blog post, like what would I have done differently? So that's like, I just think about like the metrics that traditional marketers use to measure content performance. And I just think about like where we're trying to push us. I don't know, like, have, have you thought about just kind of like the old versus new, how they combine anything like that? I have a funny story based on what you just mentioned. When I started at exact target, I was contributing to the blog somewhat regularly. And this is when blogs on corporate websites all had the comment section. And like my first three or four blogs that I posted my aunt Carolyn, who I love very much, you know, would see me post a link on one of my social channels and would go in and say something like, love you so much, Jonathan, you're doing really good. Like really proud of you on this corporate blog. And then I would get made fun of by the marketing team. And it was great. Um, but so uh, where you're going with that, I always, one of my favorite pieces of career advice is what is your boss's boss biggest challenge? Because if you can help your boss solve that, that's obviously going to advance your career? I think that's always a great question to ask, like in interviews or, or just in one-on-ones. 
but somewhere in that food chain, if you keep going, you know, I don't know how many bosses, bosses, bosses there might be in your food chain, but if you get to the top of that boss's food chain, the answer is going to be dollars, right? Uh, at the end of the day, that's either dollars in the bank or dollars you're making through sales. And so that's where I think a lot of quantity versus quality kind of breaks down, you know, is the quantity that you're measuring, is it a vanity metric that's going to go up into the right no matter what, because that's what it does. And is it actually having an impact on something that matters and that's revenue. And that's, that's where I think, you know, the quantity is less important if the quality is really good. And if the quality is really good, that's going to impact the business in a way where people are going to stop asking about the quantity. They're going to say, how do we get more of that? Right. And that's what intent signals allows you to do. It allows you to focus in on, uh, right account matches, right persona matches. You can see the action they took, what they're looking for. Um, and it's just really high quality and it's pretty good quantity as well. So I think there's always a balance. You've mentioned, you know, churning out blogs for SEO purposes. There's a time and place to do that. But then once they get to your website, right, then you have to have the quality content, keep them engaged with your brand and convert them. So like, this is the challenge of marketers. And this is why I love marketers. Like there's a shit ton on our plate, right? And they're all very different things, but they all should support that ultimate goal. And most often that is revenue. If I think about qualitative data from the lens of, of, of when I was a demand gen marketer, because I think like content marketers take the right step in order to try to maybe get closer to that revenue number and their, tie their work to that revenue number by working with a role like demand gen, where then demand gen takes that piece of content and tries to get in front of the right people. And then you can measure kind of what's happening on from those programs. And I think about myself and I think about like, if I were looking at the, listening to this conversation, you know, five, 10 years ago when I was in demand gen and I heard qualitative data, I would think a lot, like my mind would immediately go to, okay, well, like I'm running this content syndication program. And at the end of that, this program, I get this, you know, CSV file. And it's great because there are leads and I can see names, I can see email addresses, I can see, you know, company information. And then I'm going to upload that into Salesforce, tie it to my lead total, distribute those leads to sales and be done with it. And I think about that as now, and I'm just like, well, basically all these people did was like some content syndication provider just like put an email in their inbox and then they open the email and then they like, maybe like click the ebook, who knows, but what, for whatever reason that determined that's qualified as a lead. And so then it, it causes like, while, while I'm thinking about qualitative data and like, I can say, look at this spreadsheet, look at all these brands we're getting. It's like the way we got there doesn't necessarily measure up. So I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about just like um, the difference from like the type of information that we're presenting and just, it's, I don't know, it's more real than maybe running kind of the running a content syndication program and kind of the the data points that we get from that. My dogs are wrestling in the background. So sorry if you hear that going on, uh, the joys of working from home. But um, so it's funny, I was, we're in the fundraising motion. I was speaking to an investor yesterday who's not real familiar with B2B content marketing. So I was explaining our platform. I was talking about content syndication and how that's where we're winning budget from. He's like, tell me more about content syndication. So I explained it to him. And again, not familiar with space, kind of first uh, explanation of content syndication, traditional content syndication. He was like, really? And I was like, yeah, that's what it is. He's like, that sounds kind of dumb. And I was like, yeah, it is. Like, that's the point, right? But like, it's just become a, a habit that we have uh, that has been ingrained in this B2B marketing playbook. You know, you get the CSB and you see 
depending on how good your uh, content syndication provider is, you'll see emails like Daffy Duck at Acme.com, right? Like it's just so low quality, but it's that guaranteed cost per leader, cost per impression that I think marketers struggle to step away from. But yeah, it's like, if you actually sit down and think about it, like, like I did yesterday with an investor, it's one of those things that to the outsider looking in, it's like, that doesn't make much sense. It doesn't make much sense. And I think you, uh, I love this phrase and I've been using it in social media. I've been using it in the articles that I've been writing. You describe, I think about the results of a content syndication program and the low qualityness and the fact that sales is following up with these leads or pseudo leads and just wasting a bunch of time. And you called it the erosion of trust between marketing and sales, which I think is a uh, pretty solid descriptor, but like, we don't, we don't think about, you know, at the time when we're running these programs and investing, it's like, we're kind of worried about our metrics and we're not worried about like what sales is doing it when, you know, I think that we all should be working together and thinking about that. So I think like what I'm excited about, about what we're offering is something that is not going to push sales and marketing apart, but is going to get sales and marketing to come together and have really interesting conversations on how they can use this data to better reach out, better understand how content should be created at their company. Those are the types of things that excite me. Yeah. uh, Maybe a a vulnerable story or maybe one I'm not necessarily proud of. I remember running a content syndication program in a previous stop in my career and like getting the spreadsheet from who we had partnered with and honestly just like uploading it to our CRM and sending it to our sales team. And like, I was afraid to look at it because I knew like it was not good. Right. Like I was like, it was like cringeworthy a little bit. Right. Like I did not want to like see, like face the results of those efforts. And uh, fortunately that was also the career stop where I had such a great relationship with our sales team. And yeah, I think like done wrong, it can erode trust between sales and marketing. If marketing is like, Hey, we just ran this program and here's a spreadsheet of low quality leads. Like, that's going to, yeah, it's going to erode trust. And it's just going to make marketing and sales jobs tougher into the future, right? So I'm excited about this. You know, again, using this internally, our sales team uh, is in it daily. They're requesting more of it regularly. Uh, and I think that's that's really cool for marketers to be really thought of as, as a really valuable asset to their sales team, which they should be. And I think a lot of good marketing teams are, and this is an opportunity to uh, continue to pour into that. So I I mentioned earlier with the content syndication program, it's literally a provider blasting an email to some sort of list and who knows it hits the inbox and they open it and they might click it. And then that populates into their CRM. They put in a spreadsheet that ends up going to you. A lot of roundabout ways. Dude, I have stories where it's like, you know, you have your sales team following up off those things and they come back at you. The marketer said they, they don't even know who we are. Like, and I think that's a problem. So there's that extreme, but then I think there's the extreme uh, or on our side, there's the fact that we are a highly curated audience of B2B marketing and sales professionals, and they are getting blasted with emails, but they are the ones finding the content, doing the things following people's pages, uh, reading articles on the juice. And I think that produces some like really interesting insights and really interesting opportunities for sales and marketing teams. I'm curious, you mentioned our sales team is like in it, looking at it, requesting like what types of things are they saying or are you hearing based on kind of intent signals and where the product currently is? 
Yeah, so I would say two things. One, um, and at the, the highest level, I think this is what's cool about the data is you're seeing what's working. You're seeing what people are searching for, what people are engaging with. So just thematically, that tells you what's going on in the marketplace. What can I use to start a conversation? If these types of people are interested in this topic, the types of people we're trying to reach out to are probably interested in that topic. And so it, it just it gives you like kind of a, a great like launch pad to go into conversations with and just allows you to understand a little bit more about what's happening in the marketplace and what what type of information people are craving, as well as provides, okay, if they're engaging with this content on the juice, that's probably good content for us to recycle, repurpose, and reuse. So that's kind of the first layer. And the second layer of that is the brands, right? What, what brands are engaging with the juice? Then how do we, you know, if it's right, how do we get in front of them? If it looks like we can help them based on what they're looking at, how do we get in front of them? Or again, what are similar brands to that brand that might also be facing the same challenges and how do we use our content to get in front of them? So it's it's really, and then you can even start to get more granular with that. We push our data into our Salesforce instance. We're running campaigns out of there and it, you can just get even more granular from there. So uh, it's kind of, you know, several layers to it. And that's what's, I think, really valuable about it is how versatile it is in helping your marketing team. And if it just stays with your marketing team, it's really valuable. I think the next layer beneath that is pushing it to your sales team and understanding how they want to use that data. We're likely next week going to get into more conversation regarding sales and marketing, the relationship and the data. want to spend a lot of time on that, but maybe just kind of as we're rounding out this conversation, want to like tee that up by saying, I think what excites me the most about the examples of intent signals output versus content syndication output is if you think of content syndication and all those steps that we do, highly transactional, highly volume-based, little time to share, talk talk about accounts, talk about information from sales and marketing perspective, because there's a lot and we are measured on a lot. Now, if you flip flip it over and think about intent signals, why I like it is because it's more specific. It's uh, you can see low, less but higher quality, which forces sales and marketing to come together and not just say, oh, this dream account of yours followed our page and has been reading our content for the last week. Go hammer them and go try. It's not what it's about. What I think it it presents, it presents an opportunity for sales and marketing to get really thoughtful and strategic about how do we as a go-to-market team, as a revenue team, want to make sure we don't swing and miss at this account, but put together a plan, put together an account plan that's going to resonate with them based on the information that we know about them and how they're consuming our content. If you start thinking like that and you start operating like that from a sales and marketing function and investing in that outreach and investing in those touches, like odds are you are going to look dramatically different than 99% of the other B2B marketing and sales teams out there trying to connect with you. I think about that and we're not even quite there yet on that. We're working through that, but I think of getting to that point and the results that can happen on the other end. And it gets me really excited. It's just so much more authentic data, right? Even in content syndication, that audience has not in, let me, there are some modern syndication programs that are more sophisticated than email blasts and website traffic. Uh, and that's, they're fine. I still don't think it's something I'd want to invest in as a marketer, but you know, that the traditional content syndication, maybe the old school content syndication, like the audience is not seeking out that content. It's being 
blasted at them, right? And yes, they, they, they then click and engage with it, but like they're not proactively searching for that content. They are doing that on the juice. They, it's, it's much more authentic. Like they have specifically come to your content because they're looking for it or something similar to it, or they may not have even known your brand existed and they're trying to solve a problem and now they found it and you have that data. Like it's just, it's a much more authentic experience for brands and buyers or B2B content researchers. Um, and so that really excites me and, and speaks to kind of the ethos of what we are trying to do as a business is make that content experience for everybody involved a little bit more humane. We are going to be sharing more information, talking about use cases, talking about what we're excited about, bringing in customers to talk about it. So if you're interested in learning more about intent signals, keep listening to this show, subscribe to The Blend, read the blog posts, follow us on social media. All the links are in the show notes, but we are really excited about this and the opportunity for it to contribute to a better experience across sales and marketing and a better uh, experience just as a, con a consumer of all things B2B. Jonathan, I think we did okay on our return. Hopefully you thought this was a good show too. Rust versus rest. That's always a debate, right? And we knocked off some rust today and excited to be run full speed ahead with you. Awesome. Take care and talk to you soon. Thanks, Brett. Really enjoyed that conversation. There is so many ways that we can be thinking about using our content to be the bridge into really strong and effective sales collaboration. Hopefully you picked up a thing or two from this conversation. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We will be back more Modern Day Marketer on Friday. You already know it. Peace. Peace.